A Rich Tradition College Football Podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to A Rich Tradition College Football Podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Steltonpole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, three weeks in a row? What? Yeah, man. We're, we're pretty impressive now. Look at us. We're on what you would call a winning streak. We're on what you would call a winning streak. Too bad we can't say that for uh, every oh. single professional sports team that we really like. That's where I'll leave it. That's where I'll leave it. We won't you, travel it, any further down it, that road. Yeah, not, not that you, like, you, you, I know that you appreciate it, but some people will be very surprised at how passionate I'm, I could get of talking about the Atlanta sports baseball team. <laughs> That's as far as we're going. We're not going any further uh-huh. than that. We've got a game to play tonight, so we're looking forward to that. The uh, post-spring top 25 from 247, we've got a, a game that we're going to look at for that. But before we go there, a couple of news items to get to here uh, this morning. We'll start with the easy one or sort of the brief one first and foremost. Uh, Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer are actually looking to get back together. I think we talked about this when it was sort of reported, and we maybe briefly did, but now it seems to be a more heavy report that an actual contract is going to get done here in uh, the next little while. But um, Urban Meyer and uh, Tim Tebow getting back together, it's an NFL thing, but their relationship, of course, became what it was in uh, the college ranks. So you think Tim Tebow can play after eight years out of football? A different sure. position? Sure. No. Not. <laughs> no. Of course not. He can't. Not even the great Tim Tebow? No. No. This is look, I this has nothing to do with Tim Tebow. Like I, I have no frustration towards him at all. You know, if you have the opportunities to pursue a dream of being successful in the NFL, like uh, like I'm not going to turn, like I'm not going to shoot down or besmirch that that concept, right? Like I think I think the people who are taking shots at Tebow are are garbage, um, and and I, I'm not talking about me. What I'm about to say, I don't think he is probably talented enough to to get a second contract at tight end. Okay, that I just don't. My my biggest problem with all this are the narratives that people are creating left and right. Look. Look how great athletic he is. Look at the incredible thing he's done, never playing tight end and making a team in the NFL. Let's let's also not let's not take the time to point out that he's from Jacksonville, grew up there, played high school there, and he's got his former coach who adores him as the head coach there at the team. And then also the narrative of and, and we're not gonna go down this road. I just it's just a frustrating narrative uh, because people want to make it want to take it this far. I'm really frustrated at the whole he he got a contract and Colin Kaepernick doesn't like that just annoys me because they're not in the same positions like it has nothing to do. You know what I'm saying? So like that just annoys me. But well, and I think, too, if Colin Kaepernick had a best friend as a head coach in Houston or in Jacksonville or somewhere else, I bet I bet he would sign him too. like the, the best friend aspect of this or the very close relationship aspect of this. Uh, plays a long way. I, I would imagine if, I don't know, name somebody that Colin Kaepernick is close to, if they were to become a head football coach or if they were a head football coach and then became one at the NFL ranks, are you telling me they don't give him a shot on the 90-man roster? They probably do. Yeah. 
and yeah so so like yeah i just i just again it is nothing against him it's nothing against colin kaepernick i am i'm frustrated at the narratives that are being created just for the sake of doing it you know um yep but uh but other than that yeah i'm good i'm doing great and i'm <laughs> i don't think i don't think this this thing's gonna end up well but hey no, yeah, it doesn't feel good. I'm starting to feel I'm starting to feel very nervous for uh, for for Trevor Lawrence. Starting to feel very nervous that he's he has just got put into a hands of a guy who might not completely understand what he's what he's doing. I hope to be wrong about that. Mm-hmm. But this the the hiring of the strength and conditioning coach now this Tim Tebow what feels like a stunt, what everybody's calling a stunt, and hopefully it's not. Hopefully, you know, it, there's a there's a, a a meaningful reason behind it that isn't vain or isn't egotistical or isn't you know uh, what's the word you know damaging, and Trevor Lawrence is still able to succeed in the NFL. I, I hope that's the case, but I'm I'm getting nervous mm-hmm. with with every move. All yep. right, so the Pac-12 announced a new commissioner today. Everybody seemed to be very disappointed that it was. We're recording on Thursday the 13th, by the way. And everybody seemed to be very nervous that it wasn't Andrew Luck's dad, Oliver. Yep. And everybody thought that was the perfect fit. He's got some experience as uh, what a commissioner or an owner or some sort of executive with, uh, you know, the, one of those failed sports leagues that just came through. It just feels like he had the, you know, the stamp of approval of everybody. Uh, but they've hired a new guy, George. I forget how to pronounce the man's last name. I apologize for that here. Um, but nonetheless, they've got a new commissioner over there. Um, have you read anything that sort of sticks out to you? I, I've got one thing on my end, but I wanted to let you have a moment here. Anything that sticks out to you about uh, George K? We'll call him George K. So it, this, I, the feelings I have here are just the exact same thing about that I do with Tim T- 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 I do not blame the guy for taking a job that is going to pay him a lot of money, right? This is about TV deals. Our boy Larry Scott, before him, did an absolute horrible job um, of setting up the TV deal for the Pac-12. He was a horrible – because he made himself the boss of both the commissioner of that and the head of the TV realm for the Pac-12. Which he had no experience in. Which he had no experience in. So what they've done is going to the opposite end of the spectrum and just found a guy who can do TV. You know, I think uh, it was Seth Emerson who said, hey, this is going to be horribly disastrous or it's going to be a win. Or it may be both, <laughs> and and that's kind of how I feel about this. Yeah, um, the resume as a sports and media executive, according to uh, Stuart Mandel there at The Athletic, is undeniably impressive. He has served as an executive vice president for business uh, of business for major baseball, um, for major league baseball, advanced media, chief digital officer for NBC Universal a co-president of Hearst Corporation's cable programming division, and as recently as January managed the WNBA's Las Vegas Aces when MGM still owned that team. So he's got plenty of uh, experience and plenty of background. Of course, he has the stamp of approval of all the presidents, or he wouldn't be being hired. Um, He's mentioned at the press conference the biggest weakness of the conference is the lack of championships or the number of years since the last men's championship in basketball and the football championship. And I kind of thought that that was interesting 
uh, and in particular interesting to bring up to you because the impression that I get of most administrators is it's their job to make, for instance, the educational system. It's your boss's job to make your job as easy as possible and to give you as much room and as much resources as you need. I'm talking to you, Robbie, to to mold the minds of young people. And that that might be a reason why a lot of teachers have gotten out of the teaching profession is because that process has become convoluted. So I feel like for commissioners, there's a lot of things to do with making money for the presidents, of course. But I also feel like that means you're also trying to facilitate and make things as easy as possible for now Clay Helton to succeed at USC instead of gumming up the works and making things difficult with the TV network or making things difficult in other areas, you make it as easy as possible and you funnel the resources as easy as possible. Apologies. Uh, so that uh, those coaches and those other, you know, the people beneath you have as easy a time succeeding as possible. Because you, you can only lead the, wa- the, the horse to water. You can't make it drink. So I get that part of it. But you got to lead them to water. And I, I feel like that's a part of what his job's going to be. Lead the Pac-12 to water. I think that was really well said. Uh, you, you know, outside of my alarm, yeah, outside your alarm, second week in a row on the alarm. Um, well, it has to go off at a certain time, so no, it's okay. You know, a a principal or a superintendent is in charge of making sure that everyone below them ha- exactly what you said has everything they need to be successful. You know, I feel like I feel like both my headmaster because we don't have superintendents in my private school. The, the headmaster, who's essentially a superintendent, and my principals, I believe, do a good job of that. That's why I succeed at being a teacher. Here, the Pac-12 has not succeeded at being a, an, a competitive conference for championships. Now, that you can, I'm sure you can find some sports in there where they've done really well. But the major sports has been lacking, or at least acknowledgement of those teams has been lacking. And I am fine with them hiring someone that will help the TV side of this. But I thought that they were going to hire someone for the TV side and then hire a commissioner as well. And that's not what they did. They hired someone exactly for one purpose to do, I mean, one or someone to do both things. And, and I just, I just don't, I just don't know if that is the best option. Um, Cause again, I would have most definitely, most definitely enjoyed seeing Oliver Luck um, have this opportunity. Um, Not only because of his experience, but because of his passion for the Pac-12. I mean, they can't do much worse than they've been doing. So, Right, and and it feels like it's pretty evident or it's pretty clear for George K. and what he needs to do. Obviously, take care of the TV deal stuff and then pound, pound, pound the table for expansion. Pound, pound, pound the table. And he did a little bit of it in that introductory uh, press conference earlier uh, on Thursday. Pound the table for expansion and and try to utilize and, and be out in front uh, as a proponent of name, image, and likeness. So I, I feel like he can probably do all of the. I feel like the what he needs to do to be successful is pretty plain and simple laid out in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it'll be easy to execute, but it's clear what you have to do. So 
hopefully that plays into um, plays into his his favor there as the uh, as the new commissioner of uh, the Pac-12 because obviously his success would be great for college football so we're certainly pulling for him uh, to be successful. All right, uh, staying out west. Awful news earlier this week. Age of 37. I'm 33. Uh, Robbo, you're just a tad older than I am. So at the age of 37, Colt Brennan, All-American quarterback at Hawaii, found uh, found unconscious, found uh, dead at a treatment facility, uh, I believe Monday night, and all of that announced announcements came on Tuesday. Pretty big blow there. Obviously, it always stinks to to lose someone um, and lose someone young. Colt Brennan dying earlier this week at the age of 37. Yeah, um, you know, him being young, the addiction issues, you know, that that he had that, you know, thousands of people in our country have that, you know, really need help. Um, I hate that he couldn't. I hate that he couldn't get the help that he needed, you know, and just a just a praise, you know, what we knew him for, mm-hmm. you know, you know, forget the game against Georgia. That kid was a baller. And he he probably should have gotten more national recognition that year, especially if you go look at the, the numbers he was putting up and you look at the context of the, the current that at that time, the culture of college football. And no one was putting up that many stat, you know, those many yards and touchdowns and all that stuff. He, he was truly he was truly a, a, a great court college quarterback. And that's how I remember him of just being awesome. 131 passing touchdowns, 146 total touchdowns. The completion percentage, uh, highest career completion percentage number is his. Uh, as Robbie already said, tons and tons of yards. I don't know the exact number of yardage, but tons of yards. He uh, he did a lot of things in June Jones's uh, version of the run and shoot, I believe is what it was, and uh, they did it really well. You know, speaking of that Georgia game. Because that's, of course, where you and I know Colt Brennan sort of the you know the best in terms of you know direct uh, our team having a direct involvement. That was right after the the Fiesta Bowl for Boise State, and it was two years removed from West Virginia getting Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. So you had this kind of slew, and it's right before TCU. Uh, Utah beats uh, Alabama. Uh, you've had I. Obviously, we mentioned West Virginia. Texas Tech was on a roll. That's not a group of five team, but Texas Tech was on a roll. Uh, we mentioned Utah, TCU. A lot of those smaller schools were starting to come around. Hawaii didn't necessarily have its breakthrough like Boise and West Virginia and some of those other places with beating Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, but they were close. And that was coming off that Boise State win, the West Virginia win. There was a lot of momentum around that Sugar Bowl, I remember, that, uh-oh, you know, Oklahoma was on a red hot streak last year going into the Fiesta Bowl. Georgia's on a red hot streak going into this Sugar Bowl, and here comes a, another hot and ready upstart team with you know a bunch of you know kind of just a group of guys headed led by this you know unique offense and this you know big firepower quarterback. That was a pretty interesting time, and Colt Brennan was right in the middle of uh, right in the middle of all of it. With uh, I guess maybe you want to call them the mid majors, the the teams that would become. Uh, you know, big time names in college football, at least to to some degree. Yeah, uh, you know, I just the, the the kid could sling it, and that was that was really awesome. Uh, you know, to to watch in college, because um, I was in college whenever he was doing this. Um, 
but but the you know the the, the sucky part is you know like like we said the the the, the one game you know to, to the breaking out party you know they didn't have because the year prior you know we had the Oklahoma you know like you just said the Oklahoma lost to Boise and you know the when is it two years prior to this we had West Virginia beat Georgia and you know then you you know this this game just didn't go that well but again that did not take away from the incredible talent that Brennan was. And, and I hate that, you know, he didn't necessarily succeed in the NFL and that, you know, this ended the way it did, because again, um, addiction is just, it, it's not, it's not something that people should take lightly. Yeah. Real, real, real crappy thing. And you hate that, uh, that it befalls on anybody. All right. So switching gears just a little bit, we'll sort of, uh, pick up the mood here, uh, on a rich tradition. Uh, top 10 game that we wanted to play, 247 Sports put out a, uh, a list of the uh, top 25 teams uh, post-spring. And so this was no, by no means this is what the AP top 25 will look like come preseason and maybe Athlon and whoever else puts out preseason polls. But nonetheless, it's something to have a little bit of fun with. And we kind of got carried away a little bit. So first and foremost, Rob, top 10 and every year there's about three or so teams that will be outside the top 10, finish inside the top 10 by the <laughs> end of the year. Uh, it's right around maybe three, four, maybe it's five from time to time, but ultimately the number sits around three. And so we'll start inside the top 10. Who's who's going to be falling out? I ended up with three teams. I think Rob has a few there as well. So before we jump on who we think is going to fall out, Make a mental note. Of course, Alabama is number one, Oklahoma two, Clemson three, Ohio State, Georgia at five, Iowa State six, North Carolina, Texas A&M, Oregon, and Notre Dame. Feels pretty good first and foremost, Rob. Feels pretty good that that's going to be fairly close to what your top ten is when it does come time for you know all the major preseason polls to come out. Yeah, like if you just take these you know at face value. I don't know outside of the fans of the teams outside of the top 10. I don't really see how you can get too, too upset about this. Like it just, it seems pretty much par for the course, you know? Absolutely. All right. So I'll start us off. First team on my list is a fan favorite. I hope that I'm wrong here, uh, but I don't love some of the close calls that they've had over the last two years. I think the North Carolina a storyline has been absolutely fantastic. I love Mac Brown. I, I really enjoy Sam Howell. I love all of it. But the close calls over the last two years, I'm going to say, at least just for this project, North Carolina maybe gets bit in the butt by a couple of those, loses some games they shouldn't, and they fall out of the top 10 by the end of the year in uh, 2021. I actually have them on my list as well. I just... To me, last year was the year for North Carolina to 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 surprise some people, you know, to to get in there and and get in that top ten or be super effective and and beat somebody that they shouldn't, you know, like just because of taking advantage of the COVID year and what they were returning, you know, I thought last year was the one. Now this year, with what they with what they lost on the outside, um, what they lost at running back, uh, I could easily see them outside of the top 10 at the end of the year, because I do think there are a couple teams in the, I think there are a couple teams in the ACC this year that people have forgotten about or just have chosen to ignore that could be actually fairly competitive and, and really good. 
Yeah, um, and if and if North Carolina fools around with any of them, so Notre Dame's on my radar as a, as a potential loss. There's about three. I think they'll need three losses in order to finish outside the top ten, or they'll have to suffer three. So Notre Dame's one of them. Miami could certainly jump up and get them, and I think they only beat Virginia last year by a couple of points as well in a big shootout with the Cavaliers. So there's three right there. Does Mackenzie Milton elevate Florida State into something crazy? Uh, Virginia Tech, yeah. do they turn a corner? There's a couple of teams here that that have played North Carolina close that could maybe uh, that could maybe get them this upcoming season. Agreed. Like this is that's where I'm at as well. I I do not have those two teams in like on in this exercise, but I am kind of bullish on Miami and FSU this year. All right. So uh, we both had North Carolina, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my next team. Because oh, you, go, you go first, or do I go first? Well, I figure since we both had North Carolina, that I would go ahead and just throw out another team. You go ahead, though. I, I apologize. No, you, in the step no, no it's okay. It's, there, it's okay. It, I apologize. You know, it's your show. I am just, you know, I'm no, just here for the ride. Well, I just, I don't want to get hit by one of those dumbbells that you got laying around the house. So, oh wow, I by all it. means, wow. no. I, you pick up the dumb. Do you not pick up dumbbells a lot right now? Are you not lifting weights uh, in in a in a in a, uh, in a in a big way? I do. I do. Okay. Well, okay. I don't want to you to pick point. one of those up and hit me in the face with it. Here's one of my darlings that, or a lot of analysts' darlings that I think could end up not outside, the, you know, not inside the top ten, and that's Iowa State. Mm. Um, you know, I, I have really wrestled with this because um, I've been at times, even just over the last five months, bullish and then you know bearish, you know, on the on them uh, at times. You know, they've got a lot returning, but is that for good reasons or is that because you know they? They realize that they may not be the best NFL talent. You know, is Iowa State even the, you know, are they even in the top four or five most talented rosters this year? You know, like it, it, there's, these are questions that I've sincerely asked because I don't know if there's a definitive answer. And so because of that, I think there's a world in which they get beaten by either TCU or Texas, you know, and Oklahoma, you know, like, yeah, they, they have a tendency to, to, to nip someone every year but also they lose really dumb games last year they lost to louisiana yes it's covid year but i'm i'm sorry you're a division one team division one power five team with a, with a bunch of returning starters last season you should not struggle or lose to louisiana who is a good group of five team i'm not belittling that but you should still win that game and so i i just think they have a tendency to lose games they shouldn't and I just I think that there are teams in the Big 12 who are going to be much better this year than people realize. Again, specifically TCU, um, and so yeah, give me give me Iowa State. So, I, adding to your point, you know, tight ends and sort of old school running the football, uh, throwing to tight ends, they seem to be kind of right on the cusp of old school and new school football. They're sort of molding the two things together i feel like they throw to their tight ends a lot and they run the football a lot we've seen it's that's that style of play is it's hard to keep up in college football with that you got to be able to score big points you got to have guys on the outside fighter jets as barton simmon likes to call them you got to have those guys and you're right maybe you fall behind because you you literally can't keep up because you just you don't have the explosiveness. I'd love, and I think you would love, I think a lot of people would, Iowa State is, I think, a is it Dark Horse or Colt? There's sort of a Colt following for Iowa State, so we mm -hmm. all really like them, and we hope to be wrong, but but I could see that too. Yeah, not not being able to keep up, for sure. Yeah, and, and, and also, 
I will say this to to not be super negative about Iowa State. There's a world in which they actually do, you know, everything goes together. But that's when we get to the actual preview of you know of the Big Twelve. Um, all right, next your your pick, buddy. Yeah, so I'll keep it in the Midwest here. Uh, Texas A&M. I don't mm. love, and this is Texas A&M finishing outside the top ten. Last year, I think they finished fifth or whatever it was with the North Carolina win, and they only had the loss against Alabama. That loss sort of turned things around for them. They came back and got the win against Florida. I don't – what is – who is – what What do they have at quarterback? You've got big-time defense. What do you have at quarterback? How explosive is this, is this offense going to be? Just like we got done talking about with Iowa State, how explosive is this offense going to be? Could they lose games to – they certainly got Alabama on the list and could uh, fall in that ball game. But then you've also got games – with, um, you know, Ole Miss and LSU. Those are the two that I've circled here. The rest of the schedule looks manageable, so that's where I could be wrong here is the rest of the schedule looks fairly manageable. They don't pull any of the big, big boys out of the East. They've got South Carolina and Missouri, so you catch a small break there. You should outmatch both of those teams, South Carolina especially, unfortunately, for the Gamecocks. But uh, they didn't play Ole Miss last year, so you'll be seeing Lane Kiffin and, and Matt Corral for the first time can you keep up if if it comes to that? Can you keep up? Now it might not have to come to it because they got such a good defense, but you know we we know we know in in the age of offense that might not always matter having a really good defense. I'm kind of bullish on A and M. So when you say bullish, just to be clear, you like A and M. When you say bullish, right? Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah, I like the, I I like them quite a bit this year. Now I'm not saying I like them to win the title, but well, I who do you think is going to be the quarterback for them? And what do you think like that guy's ceiling? Or is it, I mean, it, and it's fine if it's not clear yet. I'm just that's it, where I'm kind of hung up at. It, it's not, it's not clear yet. I, I look at the rest of the lot roster, like the rest of that roster is so freaking good. Yeah, you know, like I, I just, I'm, I'm again, I'm just buying in on the rest of the roster. Well, and two, the the schedule's not out of this world. No, and by the time they cool. play at yeah. Ole Miss and at LSU, it's. November 13th for the Rebels and 27th for the Tigers. So they could have plenty of things figured out by then. Uh, that's the what the week, uh, the third to last week and the last week of the regular season. So who knows what they have figured out by then? Yeah, absolutely. All right, um, your next team. I'm going to save outside my, the top 10. I'm going to save my surprise at the end of this because I have four teams. Oregon. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so. Dastardly. <laughs> yeah. If so, that's not your surprise team, good lord. You know, that's not my surprise team. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> you're, gonna you. you're gonna laugh at me whenever I say my surprise team. I know you are. Uh, but but you're but you're gonna get because this is a podcast, you you have to let me explain. Uh but anyway, Oregon. Um I have watched Oregon like extensively. Like if, if there is like one of those teams that I I kinda like cheer for, you know, uh, you know, on the side you know, who I'm really looking at, like, hey, you know, I really do hope these guys do well. It ha- It's easily Oregon. You know, can't be, I can't be Oklahoma State anymore. Well, <laughs> me, and, me and the mullet, we, like, I, I love him and everything, and I hope he does well, but I, right. I uh, this past season, you you had everything in place, and, it, like, I, I will, I will, I hope they do well. I really do, but I am not, I am not picking them to, do anything crazy like I have in years past anymore. I'm just I that ship has sailed for me. Um but you look at Notre Dame you look at Oregon uh two thousand where is it two thousand uh eighteen 
they lose four games. Um, Mario Cristobal's or Mario Cristobal is not there yet. I don't think he's there in 2019. I believe right. that's correct. Yes, yes. Mario Cristobal's check. not there. They they lose four games. 2019, uh, Chris Paul comes in, has one of the best recruiting classes uh, Oregon's ever had. Uh, they lose to uh, – well, now, at the time, Auburn was number 12 in the country, but we knew – but by the end of the year, we found out they were not very good. And they lose that game on a garbage play to Auburn. You know, hey, it happens. But then you go and lose to a very mediocre Arizona State team uh, later on in the year. And so you you lose out of contention for, you know, basically for the, the national championship, the playoff, whatever. And I don't even think – I can't remember if they played the Pac-12 championship or not. And then last year, you know, the, the weird Pac-12, you know, their conference just kind of screws them all over. I know that there's a bunch of things, but it, to, to continue the narrative, they lost two games they shouldn't have lost last year. They were by far more talented. Than who they put than than who they went up against, and they had and in those you know so the past two years just great disappointments. They've had a better quarter you know they had very good quarterback uh, a very good quarterback there who is now starting for the you know for the Chargers, and then mm. and then this year coming into this year they have Anthony Brown who I who I do like who is a transfer from Boston College played played quite a bit last year, and he's already been named the starter. I say all this to say. I'm. I have never thought that talent or recruiting was the problem at Oregon. I, I think the problem has been, you know, consistent quarterback play and also their co- their head coach coaching in games and just weird decisions. And so when I when I look at their history and I look at their history under Cristobal and look, they had an incredible game against. Um, Wisconsin this year that they, you know, that they won, they probably could have lost easily, you know, but they just seem to crumble kind of easily in big games or, or games that whenever teams punch in the mouth, they seem to crumble. And so I could easily see this happening, especially when you're looking at a year where there are two teams, two other teams in their conference that I am much, much higher on. So yeah, I, I think Oregon could be one of those teams that doesn't end up in the top out or inside the top 10. So uh, the three losses for them at Ohio State could certainly be one of them. And then Utah, maybe on the list. And then where else are you going for a third loss if it's not, uh, if it's not Utah, where are the other two losses at, you think? Either USC or Arizona State in the, in the Pac 12 championship. Okay. Like if, okay. if they get there. All right. So I, I just want to point that out. But, They've consistently struggled against Stanford. I mean, when when was it? Was it last year or a couple of years ago when they had the fumble, like the two or three, like they had a huge lead and then lost it because mm-hmm. of fumbles and turnovers? Um, I could see them losing. Obviously, you already mentioned it at Ohio State. I I could see them losing at UCLA because I think UCLA is about to have a really good year this year. Uh oh, Chip Kelly. Yeah, we've been dogging him. Yeah, we we ha- we have, but we've also been you saying have. yes. But I asked you I asked you the question last week. <laughs> Doesn't he have some of the? Doesn't he have the pieces in place to do well this year? And I think he does. And so, like, if he doesn't, then there that's the problem. But I just, I just think uh, there's some teams on the schedule that are that are better than people are giving them credit for. And if they lose that Ohio State game, like, no one's going to really fault them for that. Except for, like, here's the dumb thing, really quickly about this: Why in the world, Pac-12? Why in the world would you agree, or whoever agreed to this? Why on earth would you agree? to a noon kickoff 
at, uh, at Ohio State, when you are a Pac-12 team and you play and usually play in the afternoon and evening, like why would you agree to it? Essentially, your body clock is 9 a.m. Why would you agree to that game, that game time? Yeah, well, is it the TV people who make that time? I, I don't know who. Like, that's what, I just I mean whoever made that decision. Like, yeah. why on earth would you make that decision? But, but anyway, so when I look at Oregon, it's not necessarily who I'm picking them to lose to. It's that I just am used to them losing games they shouldn't. And if they lose, if they lose one or two games they shouldn't, I'm pretty sure they're going to lose to Ohio, Ohio State, and or they're going to lose in the Pac-12 championship to whoever they play. And then because potentially of, the bowl game from there. And yeah, that because of them outside. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, very good. My uh, my next team to finish outside the top ten, the Irish of Notre Dame. Yep. This is not an easy pick because as much as people love to hammer Notre Dame for being overrated, they tend to finish right about where they should finish every year, and that's right around the top ten that they finish. Uh, it might not be super high in the top ten, but it's it's in there. So. I think their their schedule's really tough this season. Jake Cohn fits the quarterback mold a little bit. That I don't even know exactly how to say this. Ian Book has not been the most dynamic, even though he can get out and make some dynamic plays. A lot of that maybe wasn't super consistent. He didn't have the best arm. Yeah, I think maybe that might be fair. So what does Jake Cohn bring into the table? He's at least going to bring stability to the quarterback position, but you've got, I mean, Notre Dame always has sort of a tough schedule. So you've got a big one coming up again this season. Is the rest of this team able to hold up? I'm biting off a lot here with Notre Dame because they always are a good regular season team. And that sets them up to finish uh, in the top 10 every year, but they've got Wisconsin on the 25th of September, then Cincinnati the following week on October 2nd, Virginia tech off week on the 16th of October, and then USC, North Carolina. Don't that's forget a stretch. about. Don't forget about Georgia Tech. That's a stretch. Uh, Navy's there. Virginia's there, and then Georgia Tech. That's a stretch. And you can't sleep on Stanford as as down as no. they've been. You already no, mentioned you them for Oregon, yeah. so you can't sleep on David Shaw. That's a tough road there. That's a. I mean, it's not daunting, but when you consider it's week how in many week good, out. It, yeah, it's, how it's many week in week out. Yeah. How many good teams you're playing week in and week out? That's a really tough road right there. Yeah, I'm. You know how I feel. I'm. I will. I will take to task anyone who wants to say that Notre Dame doesn't play anybody. Like that's that's garbage. You, you know, you want to say they don't play. You know, one of the top five or seven teams in the country every year. Okay, yeah, that's fine. But whenever they're playing, when other teams are playing Stony Brook, which is one of Oregon's teams, by the way. Yeah, you know, Notre Dame may be playing Toledo, which, by the way, is a is a really good, a uh, really good group of five team. They're also playing FSU, Purdue. Like, literally, let's read their schedule. FSU, Toledo, Purdue, Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, USC, North Carolina, Navy, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Stanford. There are only two teams that aren't Power Five. Only two. And and one of those teams is a really good group of five teams. All right, so it's my turn for the last bit? Yeah, last last team that will finish outside the top ten. Okay, Ohio State. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Outside the top ten? Yeah. Okay, wait just a second. Mr. Big Shot. All right, wait so just, just a second. <laughs> okay, Let me grab okay. this schedule here real quick. Big ten. Yeah. And you're, the you're, people at FB schedules do a great job of making it easy amen. to get schedules. 
You know oh what? Gosh. Let's get a sponsorship praise, from FB Schedules. FB praise, Schedules. Praise FB Schedules. Amen. Do a really good job to make it easy to get there. All right, okay. so you ready? You ready? Please, for this? please continue with your your amusement here. Okay, so this is this has a lot to do with the fact that you know Ryan Day came in his first year, and you know was it first year, second? Mm-hmm. He's last year. Last was, year was second. Last year was year two, right? Okay, yes. Came in the second year. He was blessed by the hand of God with uh, with Justin Fields as his quarterback, right? And they had a great running back come in with sermons. Um, you know, they, they they've benefited greatly from the talent that uh, that Urban Meyer had had recruited to come in, or the transfer portal um, had benefited them greatly as well. Coming into this year, yes, yeah, C.J. Stroud is probably going to be the starter, but this is also going to start being te- this is going to start being the team in year three that he has brought in, that he has developed, that he has put together, and. I'm not saying that I, I necessarily doubt him, but I'd like to be I would like for him to prove to me that he can continue this massive train that is Ohio State, not just in the recruiting trail, but on the field. And when it, when I when I bring that into question and I also look at their schedule and I look at a at Minnesota where PJ Fleck is going to have his team ready to play week 1, no like no questions asked there he and he develops probably better than most coaches in the country, and then you turn right around and play Oregon, who, if I'm, you know, if we're wrong in this, like, you know, Oregon maybe not ending up outside the top ten, you know, if I'm wrong, and they do, and they are, they do put it all together because I did. I'm going to say this later this summer, but Oregon Ducks may have the three best, three of the best front seven players in the country on their defense, and then you turn right around there's a possibility they could lose one of those games, if not both those games. And then you fast forward to October where they're playing at Indiana, where they're going to, where Indiana is returning almost all of their, all of their best players. And with Tom Allen, just having those guys ready, not to mention a trap that could be a trap game because the following week they played Penn state. And then obviously at the end of the year, they play at Michigan, which I feel stupid just even mentioning that game since it's not even a competition much any, anymore. But if you look at those huge, if you look at those four big games, and you look at the possibility that C.J. Stroud may not be elite because he has not played any quality time at all coming into this year, there is a there's a world in which I could see them losing two or three games this year, just having a one step back year. That's not absurd. Because like you mentioned, there's obviously Minnesota there at the top. Oregon, get a chance to sort of reset with with Tulsa. Akron, uh, a fighting Rutgers team, but you should outmatch them. Maryland, off week, and then starts the, that bottom half of the season where Indiana's no pushover, like you mentioned. Penn State's right after that. Cornhuskers are sort of in a, in a make-or-break kind of situation. Maybe they're playing with their backs up against the wall. Purdue has got you before. Michigan State's nobody to sleep on. And then, like you mentioned, the Wolverines. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate this. Uh, at some point, having youth is going to catch up to you. We've yes. seen it. Uh, look, we look saw at it. Kentucky basketball. Like yeah. I know that's, I know that's a you know a whole other sport. But look at Kentucky basketball. The one and done format works. You know, will work sometimes, but it does not work all the time. No, I agree. So I think that um, I think you're right, or the suspicion is reasonable. And we'll Thank find you. out. That makes me feel better. Well, you're welcome. 
we'll find out you know, just what Ryan Day is made of, I think, in, in year three. I think a lot of people have already given him credit for sort of sustaining things there at Ohio State, and maybe that's rightfully deserved. But I think this year we'll find out just how well he sustained things there uh, at Ohio State, sort of taking over a um, taking over with uh, or handing things off to, I guess should be the way to say it, with a, with a freshman quarterback. And uh, do they have a proven running back at this point? There's kind of not that, really... That is- I meant to mention that that is one that is my literally my biggest question is who's going to play quarterback for them? I or, mean, running uh, back, sorry, running back. Running back. Yeah. Who, who's going to play running back for them? I guess it'll be master Teague again, right? He's still there. I believe probably, that's right. Probably. That's the only name I can think of. I feel like there's one yeah. or two other names that are on the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of them. can't think of them right off, but yeah. Yeah. Um, it could be a running back by committee type deal for, uh, uh, for, for Ohio state. All right, well, I am actually going to wrap us up there because I don't think we have time to get to the other teams that we have because I've got about five. I think you've got about another five. So I I figured we'll save that whole other end of the project for uh, for next time, and that'll give us something to do uh, sort of in the future. And that will be non-top 25 teams who finish inside the top 10. Again, we've said that that number is about at three or four, and I'll actually see if I can find more, uh, more data on that. Uh, take from that years for past. Yeah, take that for data. Uh, find more uh, information on that part of it, but we'll uh, we'll get to that side of the project uh, next week. Roberto, anything in recruiting that has uh, that has stood out? I'll tell you one thing that has stood out to me. And Josh Pate sort of started this with on late kick, but I read it with an Auburn commit that they just got. That he. He's a transfer, but he counts towards their 2021 recruiting class. And Pate was bringing up the idea that, okay, you got to be careful with these transfers because then you're not going to be able to bring in, you know, you're going to end up bringing in a small recruiting class. So that's the challenge with these transfers and them counting towards the upcoming recruiting class. If you bring too many transfers, you end up with a small recruiting class. And if you do that too much, you and and all those transfers then leave. They're not guys who are staying around for several years. You know, you could leave yourself in a in a in a deficit type spot if you're not careful. No, I I I heard that as well, and I I agree. Like that's that's part of the reason why I am not freaking out. You know that Georgia, you know Georgia, you know lost. I think I think the number is eleven. I think they lost eleven players. To the transfer portal. You're talking about the basketball team or the football team? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 football, but um, you know they lost. I think they lost 11 players to 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 the transfer portal and have only brought in one for this upcoming season. But if you look at their if you look at their recruiting class, they already have 12 or 13 commits because they're going to fill spots with commits this year. Like they, they I think they can take 28 commits and. And I just, I, I just think that there is a lot, there's a lot there um, that needs to be explored. But also at the same time, and I kind of agree with, Brain Gall pointed out that this is going to self, this is gonna, this is gonna course correct itself. Oh no, I'm, I'm on board with that too. Of uh, course, you know, self correction with name, image, and likeness, or uh, yeah, I think with some the, of it would come with name, image, and likeness, but with Portal too, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Let, let it, the kids figure it out on their own. It'll trickle down into high school, yeah. and those kids will start figuring, oh, wow, maybe that's not the grass is always greener. Yeah, because also 
Yeah, like like he pointed out in his breakdown, which I highly recommend going to listen to Braden's. I think it was last week, uh, his breakdown of the the defense of the freakout of you know that people are having with um uh with the transfer portal is that he he broke down all these numbers and I don't remember any of them, but I do remember this point that there are there are tons of players who are going into the transfer portal and not and walking out not having a scholarship because teams teams don't have enough scholarships to give them. And so they're going they're they're either becoming they're either going from a walk on to the transfer portal to another walk on or even going from a scholarship at, at a division one school to division two or to from power five to group of five because they because these schools that they think they're going to go to and do great things with they do not have scholarships for them all right nope i i um i'm, I'm on board 100 percent. and uh last thing before we go because we're right at the mark here uh i finished and this old this is you know completely random but we've talked about it before, you and I. I ended up finishing uh, the Big Bang Theory this week. Finished okay. all the way through uh, all all season, all twelve seasons or whatever. And uh, I, for as much that that show sort of didn't do, that I always kind of wanted them to take another step forward with, and you know, tell a a longer form story over the course of their entire twenty four episodes of a season. And they never really quite did that. That was never really their thing. That wasn't who that show was. Um, season 12, I thought they did a really good job from start to finish sort of telling what felt like a, a long-form story over the course of more than just a couple of episodes at the beginning and then a couple in the middle and then a couple at the end. I felt like they did a really good job, and, and the ending was was uh, was really fantastic. I enjoyed that uh, those final couple of episodes with... Uh, with Leonard, and then of course with uh, Sheldon doing what he did, and trying not to spoil for anybody who might be trying to catch up. So uh, I really enjoyed that uh, that final season of uh, the Big Bang Theory. Uh, I actually agree. Um, I I thoroughly enjoyed that show. Um, it just I don't know. It just makes me laugh. It, it, I enjoy it. It's it's funny. It's a dumb comedy you can just turn on and watch in the background. Um, that's exactly it, what I did with it. Yeah, like <laughs> it just it's just for me, like it's just it's just enjoyable uh, to, in that regard. You know, some people get all upset about you know it's it's nerd culture not getting things right. Well, I, I would say that it gets probably it gets a lot more things right than people want to admit. Um, you know, if you're offended by some of the stuff they do, it's probably because you you fall under that category. <laughs> but I do want to recommend a show before we get out of here. Okay. And if you get a chance, we need to figure out a way for you to get it. Uh, we you need to watch Ted Lasso. Is that the one with Jason Sudeikis? Yes. Okay. See, I thought that um, was a movie. No, it is a show. It is by far the most delightful and positive show I have ever seen. And that's on what? What is that on? It's on Apple TV. Okay. And so you know, maybe we can figure out a way to get you access to that. Yeah. Somebody um, just sent me a login. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that easy these days but that thing is it like I'm, i watched it while i was quarantined when i got covid and now lisa and i um lisa and i are now watching it and she is she is just loving it so much because it is it is just delightful all right my man well let's uh let's get out of here i'll certainly be sure to put that on the list of things to check out uh, we're all out of time we'll do our other half of the top 10 game 
uh, coming up uh, next week. He's uh, Robbie. I'm Spencer. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. We'll catch you on the flip-flop. Later. Later.